0: for Salesforce. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Sales Operations Demystified. And we're joined by Johnny Day of CrowdCube. Hello, head of Good sales, op- head of sales operations. Yes. This yes. is fantastic, and and also an EFSA customer. Yes, we've had indeed. one. I think it's one other episode customer on the show, so it's going to be super interesting. Um, okay. And we haven't actually had a, an in person; the last five have been remote. So this is great to have you back or have someone back in the room. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we're going to go through the normal nine questions. If you have any questions, if you're watching live, feel free to ping them in the chat, and we will answer them as well as we can. So, Johnny, how did you get into
1: sales operations. So it's been a bit of a strange one for me. Uh, so I actually am from a digital marketing background. Awesome. Uh, so I spent the best part of sort of eight to 10 years working in digital marketing. Oh. And basically there was a requirement in the business to move into sales operations. So, so were you doing digital marketing at Crowdcube? I was doing digital marketing at Crowdcube. And basically we decided to rein back our digital marketing activity. Mm-hmm. Um, because we wanted to focus more on B2B, and then there was a requirement specifically to focus on supporting uh the sales team, sales enablement, CRM, and there just wasn't anybody in that role. Uh and weirdly, we've just literally today put a new uh job role up for, for for someone to come and work alongside me at CrowdCube because in sales operations. In sales operations, because we've seen the value that it can generate. Um and interestingly, when I started doing this. Probably about eighteen months ago, there there wasn't any jobs out for sales operations. Whereas now, if you go on LinkedIn, there's there's loads. So there's definitely a requirement and a a recognition of the value of data in in sales operations and the importance that you know you need your sales guys out and about. Mm. They need to do admin, but they also need people supporting them on the on the sales enablement side of things. So
0: and that's I mean that's in the last eighteen months you've seen more demand. Yes, for the role definitely. I see. I like this makes sense because there's so much more of a buzz around the topic, but I,
1: I'm struggling to understand why. Uh, I think because there's always the challenge between sales and marketing. Yeah. So originally, when I moved into the sales team, I was still actually reporting into the CMO. Uh-huh. Uh And I'm from a I'm from a world where back in the day, I was having to manipulate and manage Google feeds. And that wasn't all automated. Mm -hmm. So I'm quite kind of data savvy. And basically, you're in a situation now where you've got to keep your data really solid and robust for the sales guys so that you can monitor the pipeline, you then need to keep the data really robust so that when you get to year end, you can do your connection between pipeline and revenue. Mm -hmm. And then you also need to keep it really tight for relationships with third parties Mm -hmm. and partners. And then you also need to keep it great for the marketing guys, because a huge amount of retention is driven off the data. And so you end up in a situation where if you don't have great data from the sales guys, then everything slowly starts to Ah. creak and fall over. So that's the requirement is sort of forcing and training and educating.
0: And so do you think then that the reason is much bigger now than I would say a year, two years or three years ago is because there's more data. Yes. that That's why. Yes, definitely. Cool. Okay. Well, that, that makes sense to me. Um, and that's probably only going to become more of a requirement in the coming years, right? As we get more yes, data. I built. think so. Okay.
1: Cool. Yeah. And and I think, you know, more and more of the, the big platforms, I mean, you know, if you're a Salesforce user or a HubSpot user, they've got incredible, you know, GUIs on top of the platform. So yeah. you don't have to be a data guru. Um, in the same way as if you're using DB Visualizer or something like that, where you're getting into the SQL and down mm-hmm. in, the, in the detail. So there are those benefits, but there's also that connection between sort of analytics and data analytics, mm-hmm. web analytics, Google analytics, and then sales analytics. And the requirement is pushing more towards
0: mm-hmm. sales so, so, so no plans to move back into marketing anytime soon? No, not at the moment. <laughs> not at the moment. <laughs> but maybe. Um, Okay fantastic. Let's move on to question number 2. Um what do you think makes an awesome sales
1: ops person? Uh it's a good question. Um so I think you have to be I think you have to be quite <laughs> You obviously have to be passionate in order to be good at anything. You have to have that kind of that mastery of 10,000 hours, right? And I don't think I'm there yet, but how many hours do you think uh, you have? Oh, getting, getting close. <laughs> Maybe halfway there, I'd <laughs> yeah, say. Yeah. In, um, in sales operations. In sales operations specifically. Uh, so for me, I mean, the way I tackled it originally, because I moved from marketing into a B2B role. Yeah. And then B2B kind of means CRM management, uh, which is a huge part of, of sales operations. But for me, where the connection really came was using third-party data. And so there's a huge amount of value and there's a huge amount of businesses that provide data Mm -hmm. and that's fine. But the way that you use and execute that data then obviously enables your sales team to grow because what they're all really crying out for is sort of that inside sales Mm -hmm. piece, which is how do I make sure my sales guy who spent years and years training on delivering conversion through signing terms, shaking Mm -hmm. hands, closing deals, Um, He wants more time sat in a room in our business with entrepreneurs and less time having to do, um, you know, manipulating data, filtering inbound, Mm -hmm. uh, managing lists. He wants someone to do that for him so that he can just just crack on. So we're using a lot of third party data to drive growth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with with technology, we're I mean, we've got a fantastic data partner uh, that we work with down in Exeter called Big and they help us to make that data smarter. So mm-hmm. that might be using dates to filter when we might contact people, drive automations. Nice. Um, we then are starting to use sort of machine learning, using attributes mm-hmm. and and uh, leading indicators of who to contact when and why. So there's loads of possibilities. So I think that that kind of makes, well, for me, I think is really important from a sales operations person. Uh, I also think it's just a, re- a requirement now to be, For for want of a better word, you need to be very commercially minded because, you know, I mean, I work in a startup and we are striving to get to profitability. And so everything we've done this year in terms of our sales model directly links back to revenue. So Mm. we sat down for three three weeks in January Mm. and just said, right, this is how much money we made last year. And then we reverse engineered everything up from Mm. the revenue. And so being able to go into that detail is really important. And then, and then for me, it's just it's the, the age old thing of cross collaboration, right? Working with mm. you know, product managers, like we've got a Salesforce admin, so I work very closely with her, working with product so that they know what you might need from an engineering mm. co- requirement, working with our legal teams, finance, well, everyone wants mm. help, guidance and support. And so the more that you can help and guide them, the more that you kind of move towards that ultimate sort of model, which is customers in the middle and everyone's providing support and you're helping enable them, optimizing, improving them to do that.
0: Nice. (laughs) Just to jump back to the data piece, so I understand like the business need for you guys. Crowdcube raises funds for startups or small businesses um, from the crowd. So you have this massive list of investors and then you want to try and get the best small businesses or startups to lift. Yes. And then you guys could take a cut from both sides, uh, or you, just the uh, yes, cool. Um, so you essentially want you're, you're like data players to understand all of the good small businesses
1: and startups in the just the UK.
0: Uh,
1: yeah, we've got an operation in Spain, and we okay. do, and then we do raise finance for businesses in Europe. But obviously, there's some regulatory issues. Issue, but yeah. broadly speaking, the UK okay. market is still massive. So you essentially need to get a picture
0: of all the good businesses that may want to raise finance and then you want to choose the one for your sales people to go and speak with right and so that's your your job is like making sales
1: people more more effective to go and find the good ones yes, yes. all right cool. yeah and i mean the way i always come back to it is that that concept of everyone likes to think that their brain is better than the machine mm. but actually if you teach the machine in this instance it's actually just to do with repetition and building and building and building so that Salesperson comes in every day and the work's there in front of him in his CRM. Great. It's Monday. I I know on Monday I've got three meetings. I've got two hours um, where I can set aside some time to do some admin. Mm. And then the rest of the time I'm doing this, this, and this because my diary is populated. And you start at ground zero and then you just keep working forward in that way. Don't make them think. They come in and they just have to, like, they have to become a machine, right? Where they're just doing what they're told by the computer. That's- yeah. You're there to you're there to optimize your sales team, which mm-hmm. if some people might think is making them look good, then so be it. Yeah. What um how many people are in the sales team at the moment? So we have uh two or three people in our partnerships team. We have two or three people in our inbound team. Yeah. And they kind of sit very closely with our partnerships function. Mm-hmm. And uh then we've got five or six guys in our in our outbound team. Cool, and
0: there's you and soon to be so we can actually plug the job role. Have you filled the job role yet?
1: Yeah, it's literally. Oh, filled it? Well, no, no, I haven't filled it. I only went out this afternoon. Oh, oh,
0: so left. plug it. Yeah. How can, how can people find the job role? Uh, Google... If you just go
1: to uh, crowdcube.com and search for uh, careers, it's on the careers page. Nice. So if you want to work
0: with Johnny at Crowdcube in sales operations, go to their site, go to the career section, and check out the job description. Anyway, cool. Moving on. Do you think sales experience is, is a
1: necessity to be effective at sales operations? Uh, fundamentally, no, I, I I don't believe it is. I think I think to have a uh, empathetic understanding of what salespeople's yeah. skills are and aren't is, is obviously valuable, uh, but I don't believe that you need to have done sales to be yeah. good at sales mm-hmm. operations, specifically because, like I say, I think a lot of it is to do with being logical, ordered, structured, mm-hmm. uh, comfortable with process, Uh, having the ability to say no prioritization, all the things that in a way, a a sort of a good product manager Mm -hmm. does that, you know, they're able to say, look, we can build technically anything, you know, or engineers say it's always, we can always build what you're asking. It's Mm -hmm. just a case of time, money, where does it sit in the roadmap? What's the prioritization? So I don't believe that, uh, you, you have to be a, a salesperson. Yeah, but you—I mean—you essentially were in
0: sales before, right? Yes. In not like in your digital marketing role, like your goal is when you're marketing is you to sell something. Yes. But I guess you're just not doing it in person. It's one to many as opposed to one to one. Yes. In some. Yeah. So you are like well, as, as you actually said before, you are quite commercially minded, or you yes. must be because yes. you're through the marketing. So you yes. understand like the process of buying. Yes. But you just. Well, how, do you have sales experience? Yeah, I have worked in sales. Oh, okay, before. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Um, I think everyone has
1: in some, I think I mean, everyone has in, you know, if you've ever worked in a shop or, you know, you're in, in some, you know, or even if just working in a restaurant and someone says, mm. you know, what's the specials or, you know, what's the recommendation, to, 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 there's it's, an it's, element of sell, selling in there. So. There is a book, a really good book I read called To Sell If Human,
0: I think by Dan Pink, and that was his point. Like literally, if you're like going home to your spouse and you want them to cook dinner, you like go in and you're really, really happy and then you like give them a present and then you want
1: to ask them to cook dinner. That's the selling way. Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely.
0: Um, um okay, but but not necessarily for sales operations.
1: No, I mean the way I the way I the way I sort of think of it or uh believe that I see it is a, a good a good a good sales ops person understands uh, what did I say? So they understand the sort of the heartbeat and the rhythm of the company, mm-hmm. which is sort of a third of what you need to be good at. Because everybody, if you buy into what the company is trying to achieve, then you kind of buy into the the scenario that your CEOs put forward and, and the ideas and the future and the goals of the business. Mm-hmm. So that's a third of what you need. The, the next third is your ability to understand uh, the sales guys and what they're trying to achieve mm-hmm. and their commercial goals and mm-hmm you know, understanding people's motivations. Because a lot of what salespeople do is read the room, right? Is this guy going to be a hard-ass? Is Mm -hmm. he going to be a bit more relaxed? Does he want to know the detail? Does he already know what's going on and Mm -hmm. he wants to negotiate straight away? It's just understanding that. And then the last bit is understanding um, the tech stack and what's the actual, you know, no engineering project is ever perfect and Mm -hmm. no marketing stack is perfect, no sales stack is perfect, but what's your future vision for, what you want your sales environment mm. to look like and what do you think perfect might look like and then you can strive to get towards it. Which is a
0: great link to the
1: next question. <laughs> uh, what is your current sales op, ops tech stack? So I would describe it as a bit of a hybrid between mm. sales and marketing actually. Mm. So we have a, uh, we're a Salesforce customer yep. um, and we have been for about four years. Uh, can and- you Sorry to
0: quickly jump in here. Do you have do you Salesforce for the entrepreneur side and for the investor side? No, you know, just me. for the entrepreneur side at the moment. Just on the entrepreneur okay. side, and so well, where, if your investor? I don't know if you can say this, but what tool do you use to like, manage your investor data? So with? our investor
1: data historically has lived in our own admin system, okay. cool. yeah. which isn't a CRM. It's kind just of uh, it was an originally purpose built tool, yeah. and they've lived in there, and then we've got a different marketing platform that runs that. Yeah, sure. uh, so yeah, Salesforce customer. Uh, we're an Ebster customer, ah. of course, so that's <laughs> in the stack there. Uh, we use tools like uh, CreditSafe mm-hmm. uh, to just ensure that we're working with a UK, more often than not, UK limited company, yeah. uh, and we can, you know, from a compliance perspective, check their credit score. Uh, we're a DocuSign user because we send out agree agreements and terms mm-hmm. uh, and, and measure engagement with with entrepreneurs. Uh, We use HubSpot on the B2B side of things, um, which is an interesting one because actually HubSpot used to be a B2B marketing platform. And as it's built and grown, it's very much moved into the same realms as being a CRM platform. Yeah. With uh, a app exchange in the same way as as Salesforce. So you end up with a slightly confusing data. How does that,
0: how does, I I don't understand what what you're using because I thought, Salesforce was being used for the entrepreneurs,
1: and Husband with. No, I think Huthbert is the B2B side. Okay. Yeah. So we we use we used originally Salesforce was put in in our Exeter team and our sales team in London, yeah. and it was being used as a CRM, and that was before we actually really considered having a CRM mm-hmm. in the business on the investor side. So it was originally put in to help the journey because. Crowdcube has a sort of relatively distributed office structure mm-hmm. in that we've got a sales partnerships uh, team up in London because a huge number of the entrepreneurs that we work with are here. Mm-hmm. We then have our sort of onboarding campaign success launch team mm-hmm. down in Exeter, and they're supported by legal compliance, completions, mm-hmm. uh, and then we've got an engineering team in Cardiff. Oh, cool. So in order to offer entrepreneur delight from very high touch, um, you know, one-to-one trust building up in London, we have to make sure that the information is clear and concise so that mm. when they get passed to somebody that they might only speak to over the phone or Hangouts or online, uh, they there's a clear transition between the two. Uh, and so that's why Salesforce was originally put in. And basically in time, we've sort of seen the value of building that. Mm-hmm. architecture stack around the entrepreneurs. Yeah. And we, we I actually consider ourselves as a three-sided marketplace because we have investors, we have entrepreneurs, and we also have our partners. And what do they do? So our partners have fallen into then two buckets. We have campaign support partners who help uh, get companies marketing ready. They might help with brand ah, yeah. development. Yeah. They might help um, connect them with lead investors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we also have aff- aff- affiliates, basically. Oh, so we provide you entrepreneurs. That, that send introduced. us deal flow yeah, yeah. Cool. and, and introducers, And that might be corporate advisors. We've got a very strong relationship with Grant Thornton. Mm. Um, we're in the process of work just signing some terms with a very large UK bank. So we have a requirement to fulfill their needs internally for internal users uh, and also um, externally for, yeah. for customers in the, in the company. Uh, Do we get all the tech, all the tools? Uh, I think so. Oh, the other one that we use, which is super, super smart, which which I'm actually really enjoying, is um, we also use, like I said, third-party data providers. And so what we're actually doing is taking third-party data, we're then placing it into Salesforce, um, and that essentially puts it in our CRM. We then connect our CRM to LinkedIn Sales Navigator, and there is now the functionality within LinkedIn Sales Navigator to create advanced searches that uses the data from your CRM. Yeah. So we're basically leveraging third-party data to say, this is the data we already know about, and mm. this is the data we don't know about, which then means that we don't, as a sales team, spend time all looking in the same uh-huh. place. So it's the thing that when a sales person
0: is searching LinkedIn Sales Navigator, they can see that data from the CRM from the third-party provider.
1: Yes. Okay. Cool. Which That's is similar nice. to something that Ebster does as
0: well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What you mentioned a tool like the you were using that was cool. Is there
1: something doing that for you, or is that just the integration? That's just the integration. The and then and then basically we use our third party data data agency who takes things like web data mm-hmm. uh, and um, our CRM data, and then we're basically building machine learning models in a data warehouse externally, and then using uh, things like Tableau to visualise some of mm-hmm. that and building trends and pulling data together, which we can then put back into things like Salesforce or HubSpot to then mm-hmm.
0: execute. So, what's the what's like a core insight that you could or advantage that you could prove or use from machine learning on that data, like an like a thing
1: that someone like me would understand? Uh, so, the, so for for example, the most important thing for most people when buying something is relevancy, timing, and context. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to use data to make sure we speak to the right person at the right time and that we use some structure either from the data we've got or as part of the research function Mm -hmm. of a outbound team member to connect those pieces together. And that then means if someone's interested in raising finance, there's no point me ringing you up the day after you've just completed your first VC round because you'll probably say to me, Oh, I've had the most stressful six weeks <laughs> of my life. I've just got the line, you know, the mm. signature on the dotted line. I'm still recovering from the champagne that we popped last night. I'm not interested not in right raising now. finance right <laughs> yeah. now. So for us, it's about connecting with those people at the right time. And making your making people more productive in the process, right?
0: Absolutely. Cool. We have a question or maybe multiple. Um oh Jack. How do you deal with the implementation of sales and methodologies? I'm not
1: 100% sure what Jack means by that. Does that make sense to you, Johnny? Uh, uh, yeah, it's a it's a very good question. And actually, uh, we one of the reasons for hiring this new person is actually because we we need to do a better job of documenting sales methodologies uh, for, for that very reason. It's quite easy for me to come up with lots of concepts and ideas, but we almo- we almost always need someone who can then turn some of these ideas into a reality, document them. Mm. And then the most important thing, really, I think, is about making sure that people sit down in a room and then you train them and educate them and bring them on that journey with you so that each day they feel like they're upskilling and training mm. and learning and, and developing. And actually, uh, interestingly, uh, when I started this role, uh, we were paying for Ebster. And some of the team were using it. Some of them weren't. Mm. Some people did understand what it did. Some people didn't. Mm-hmm. And actually, Wayne came in. I said to Wayne, look, I told everyone how great it is, but I'm going to organize a session. Can you just come in and walk people through the product? Mm. And then the penny drops because somebody else is is saying it. Yeah. So uh, that, I think, is a is a real advantage in terms of implementing our sales methodology. But I would also say we're actually in the process of engaging with a third party to try and develop more of the coaching side cool. of the sales skills mm-hmm. so me and uh my head of sales we often see it as like a good salesperson needs to be able to do 50 percent operational keeping systems update mm-hmm. updated and then 50 percent of their job is learning how to become a master of selling yeah and it's a it's a constant balance because i'm saying it's not in sales <laughs> course it's not happening and he's yeah. saying but i need to sit down with them and train them on you know how to close a deal and negotiate mm-hmm. and you know all those sorts of things. So I hope that kind of answers the question on. Hopefully, methodologies
0: for kind of follow up. Oh, go on, Jack. Do you use a specific platform for the for onboarding of reps? Uh,
1: no, not at the moment. I know there's obviously some pretty cool ones. In mm. fact, one of our old CrowdCube uh, employees actually went off and set up a, an onboarding platform oh, really? for, for, for salespeople. Uh, for for anybody, um, actually, um, called Personally. But we. We're actually in the process, like I say, of trying to pull this documentation together. Yeah. So for a long time, we were using uh, like a Google site and just trying to populate information that yeah. was sort of getting lost in emails yeah. and just trying to bring it into some semblance so that if you're a new sales guy, instead of it being, hey, here's your laptop, uh, <laughs> it's a big city out there, off you mm. go. So we're trying to make sure that we've got an onboarding process, which is session on... Uh, Salesforce, a mm-hmm. session on LinkedIn, a session on uh, HubSpot, uh, a session on how that merges with Ebster, a session on data analytics, a session on reporting, all that sort of stuff. So we do try and do that, but it could be better. And this person time. is going to be helping you with that. Yeah, I think so. And also, uh, interestingly, our sales ad- our Salesforce admin, so our, our old Salesforce admin was was more interested in moving into a sort of developer role. Mm-hmm. because she was more that way inclined yeah. whereas uh, our new Salesforce admin is very focused on wanting to uh, help train and support and upskill nice. the sales guys which yeah. is just perfect because then great. you've got that other voice helping to support yeah, your nice. your iteration of what you're thinking
0: what is your favourite
1: tech tour? uh I can't use Ebster can I <laughs> no, you, no you can't yeah. <laughs> Uh I mean, it sounds silly, but but not to be uh, sort of brainwashed by the cult that everyone knows is uh, our friends at Salesforce. But we are—they've um, got some pretty interesting technology that we just mm-hmm. weren't using, and actually were paying for. For that, example, so uh, we were we were finding that we were building technology with a with a, a dev agency mm-hmm. um, and. It turns out that for our partners, for example, we can spin up a whole partner community and we can really put ourselves in the middle of that partner community. Yeah, so, and and part of the benefit of that is that we can then get partners to, through pooled logins, submit leads Mm. into the system. They can track leads. We can then, because we've got quite a long sales cycle, Mm. put how much money they're making into that system and feed that back into them. We can then also build products because... We can fire up a community so our product team can say, right, fire me up a product community for your partners, fire me up a product community for uh, entrepreneurs. And we can do that all within our existing stack.
0: Yeah.
1: And we just weren't using it, but we were paying for it. And so I think it's just about making sure you really understand all the things that you've got on offer. Mm. And we also didn't realize that we've had some challenges between in the speed of growing uh, as everyone does, a couple of our systems not working perfectly. We actually have resource that we've paid for with Salesforce that we've never utilised mm. um, to build some integrations for us. So again, I think in terms of what's my favourite tool, well, I think it's going to be Salesforce because... But there's so much stuff there. There's so much stuff there that we just weren't using. And actually, if you push Salesforce, um, then you know the, the possibilities are are pretty massive, actually, and and I've got a friend of mine who works in sales ops over at a company called um, Alpha FX, and they've built some really cool stuff with just Salesforce. just with Salesforce nice. as a, as a stack. Yeah. So I think, whilst it is a bit of a cult, as we all know, and you get bought in, and and you know, if if you spend the time, the the power of it can be pretty good for helping to scale. I think nice. Um, how do you deal with
0: data quality? Um, and if you mentioned the CRM Salesforce admin, how did your role like crossover with this person?
1: Um, so we, <coughs> we're we in the position where we're currently using Classic and we're mm. obviously going to have to migrate over to Lightning, uh, which is potentially a pretty large bit of work. So we're just trying to divvy that up um, between us. Uh, we also uh, use a platform. We use two platforms, sorry. One of them is called uh, Cloudingo, which is a Salesforce data, uh, mm-hmm. sort of checking, manipulation, yeah. and, and uh, management tool. Uh, so again, there's quite a lot of technical config in there, mm-hmm. but using something like Cloudingo. I think that we had Jay Correa from um, Doctify.
0: I don't know if you know him. He was, I think that was the tool he was raving about. Yes. That thing is really good. It's pretty powerful mm-hmm. once
1: you get it set up right, but it is it is complicated, okay. and it's obviously easy to break <laughs> things So scale. who,
0: who If it, it you or the Salesforce admin who's responsible for
1: Uh, ideally the salesforce admin but i suppose in my uh as i'm growing i'm busy learning so for context our salesforce admin left we then onboarded an agency Mm -hmm. to pass over to yeah and then um our new salesforce admin has only just joined okay and i was basically bridging the gap between that and i suppose i was lucky enough that i've i'm not sort of too scared of breaking stuff, so I taught myself Salesforce administration really? in a very uh, short period of time. So you're a certified admin? Not quite, but I'm, I'm studying at the moment nice. so that I can, A, understand what's possible, mm-hmm. but also just so I can do the odd bit myself. Yeah, nice. Uh, the other tool that we're using, which is is actually not really out yet, it's being released in July. Uh, and again, it's on the more, more of the marketing side, but uh, it's a company called Distill, ai mm-hmm. and they uh it's actually built by the team at big who we work with mm-hmm. and they um they basically enable us to rich enrich data and take data out and add value to it and then put it back in okay and so they're the ones who are helping us to turn third-party data into enriched data yeah. customer data platform designed for, for it's it's cool for marketers but i mean there's a bit of a blurring here between B two B and marketing and you know, marketing sales and so on. So they so will they take an email address and then give you the LinkedIn profile? Is this all you mean by data enriching? Uh, it, it depends. Um, those sorts of things are possible, and we have done stuff like that. Um, we've we've actually, I mean, without going off into a massive tangent, we actually built an entire engine to do finding Definitely. companies yeah, nice. which we um i actually named it it's called sahara and the idea was there was millions of grains of sand millions of companies mm. and the idea was that for crowdfunding we found that there's a lot of companies which have a certain profile uh certainly as they get a bit bigger and it's about finding similar companies with a similar because we, we're ultimately trying to find companies with web traffic social mm. following yeah you know, brand validation, position in their market, market fit, all those sorts of things. And so we've basically built a sort of data-whacking tool to try and do that. Them, yeah. And so we can then run those things, enrich it in with data that we want first of, or third-party data, and, and then try and inject it into Salesforce. And that can drive email, that can drive mm-hmm. list building. So. And so this new tool coming out is going to help you do that? Yeah. So we, we've been working on uh, integrating it into our uh, Salesforce backend, yeah. and we've also been using that tool uh, to create our own scoring system using the ebs to score. Mm. Let's talk more about that. We can talk about yeah. more of that. In a minute. Um, Biggest challenge. Got questions. Oh,
0: what? <sighs> James, is there a way of improve a way of improving recruiting and hiring practices, and how do you go about supporting the sales teams? which order you want to uh, uh, tackle those uh, is
1: there a way of improving for, for hat in, in ter- is that in terms for of reps i think oh right uh, i mean in terms of our sales guys for reps yeah. for reps um we we obviously try and do as much as we can in the interviews to try and screen, you know, we have two or three interviews with people. Mm. We go out for, for, for a few beers, maybe with people to see what their soft skills are like, yeah. as well as their sort of interviews environment, hard and soft, because in our, in our world, we can't speak to uh, someone in the marketing department or someone in the finance department. We have to speak to CEOs because ultimately they're the ones who make the decision yeah. on finance. So, we try and have a really clear understanding of soft and hard skills when it comes to hiring reps. Mm. Uh, we then do all of the sort of standard interview processes, but with the right interview structures, you can get from people their ability to sell back yeah. to you. Sure. Um, so I think, I think it's all about organization and planning, right? If you're busy, you run into an interview with not a lot of preparation, you've not really spent time on, mm really understanding what you're trying to get out of the interview, what you're trying to get that individual to prove to you, then you really will go down the, do I like them? Yes, no, yeah. maybe. And then you'll sit on the fence or or go one side or the other. So prepping, preparation, prepar- preparation is always going to be key. And, and, you know, the best bit of advice I ever got was if there's one thing that you want is what do you want that person to prove to you? Cause they've obviously proved something on the piece of paper mm. um, that made you select them for a phone interview. And then once they've been through the phone interview, you've given them something that, you've given them the time to meet them face-to-face. So what do you want them to prove to you? Mm. um, I think is is super critical. And then, you know, there's one books about, you know, that Google have done tests on around, you know, removing subjectivity and, you know, all those sorts of things.
0: And then second question
1: about, how do you go about supporting your sales team? So uh, I think there's a c- couple of uh, threads to that. So in one sense, it's supporting them in terms of listening what their challenges might be on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. And can we solve that with te- technology? Because in, in the same way as in the MarTech environment, you, I mean, there's pages and pages and everyone's seeing the big diagrams yeah. of, you know, retention tools mm-hmm. and marketing tools and, um, you know, the perfect sales stack that's kind of starting to happen in the sales environment. So uh, understanding their challenges and seeing whether you can support it with tech is one thing. I think, uh, you know, we've got a head of sales. So really listening to what he wants to spend less time on and where he wants to spend more time. And Mm -hmm. can I help him to do that? Uh, Can I optimize his ability to be out in meetings is is critical for me. Mm -hmm. So whether that's sort of inside sales list building Uh, using technology to provide me with the answers to what he's looking for Mm. is is really important on the part on the partnership side of things in our business it's about um, making sure that again we've got the right technology in place to help them scale and grow right because our our business you know our board aren't necessarily bothered that we're losing money they're interested in us growing Mm. so my school of thought every day is am I helping our sales team to grow? And am am I helping them to generate more money? The closers are closing. And and I suppose that kind of then ties into my last point, which is our inbound team. We've designed it in a way where we specifically want them to come in every day and think about, I'm going to be given deals and I'm going to work on them. Mm -hmm. Whereas the outbound guys need to go and find them through networking, through events, Mm -hmm. speaking on panels. So supporting them in that way is, is, is really important uh and then i suppose the the last piece is just them knowing that if they're running out the door and something's broken i can fix it for yeah. them we'll try and help them to fix it um mm. is, is is always good right everyone likes to feel that they've got someone supporting them in their day-to-day job this you know builds a good culture what is your biggest challenge in the role and how do you overcome it biggest challenge is at the moment time in the day so quite a lot of what we want to achieve is quite technically advanced and we've always been at the forefront of using big data Mm -hmm. using automation um that age-old challenge of you know automation versus personalization how do we triage the right business or the right person that's coming in to the right person in our sales team so like i said to you we need to speak to the we need to speak to the CEOs. So using our own data to say, right, we've got an inbound from a company. Uh, Darren is absolutely stacked at the moment, but he's the best person to take on this this, mm. this company because he worked with these three companies last time. I think personality-wise, he's going to build a strong relationship. Connecting the right people is really important and triaging things in the mm. right way is, is, is massively mm. um, critical. And, um, you know, l- like I say, I think it's just, just hours in the day is is the toughest one and prioritizing yeah the the the, like we have short-term goals like any business Mm. so you know we've got sales targets to hit and we've got thresholds that we need to work towards uh but you also have to be planning for the future and quite often in a startup you shoot for the short term and forget the long term Mm. and then you either miss targets or you build a scenario where you can't scale because you haven't built the tech stack to enable you to scale. Mm. You know, you can't automate emails because you haven't tagged and categorized your data correctly. So you can't segment it quickly, which means you can't automate. And that for me is where sales operations is building its real bedrock in those teams is scaling is basically to do with getting more revenue in more quickly with the same, or resource. a very small amount of extra resource. Mm. So that's that's where I see my challenge at the moment. But, I mean, you have a new person joining,
0: right? So you're going to have double the time of the day.
1: Hope so.
0: <laughs> Hope so. Um, do you think or do you have a single metric that you would use to judge or
1: sales reps? Um, I mean, if I was being really critical, it's it's got to be revenue, right? Mm. Because... You can you know there's a lot of there's a lot of data now in yeah. the world, and there's a lot of fuzzy metrics so you can measure people on conversion and they might be an amazing converter um but the revenue doesn't come out the bottom or they could be really busy and they could be doing lots of calls and having lots of meetings, but the revenue doesn't spit out the bottom uh, and so I think. I think it's got to connect to revenue. Mm. And if you understand your revenue, then you can work back. And if you can work backwards from revenue, then it means you can say to somebody, thank you, but you're maybe not right for this company. Or we think you can move you into this team. You'd be more valuable executing Mm. here than than over here. And so I think it's just about being honest with yourself and, and your staff around making sure that everyone's thinking commercially because we don't see ourselves as a business development team and a partnerships team. Uh, and sales operations we see ourselves as a commercial function that lives and dies together Mm -hmm. Uh, and if we're all in agreement with the decisions sometimes that are difficult to make then everyone is on the same page with where growth comes from and in our board's eyes that's got to be through revenue growth and it doesn't necessarily have to always be positive revenue growth but revenue growth means you're growing so are they clothing the deals Pretty much.
0: <laughs> uh, we're gonna add a bonus question here because I'm super interested. Actually, uh, the F2 score. Can you tell us how you describe it and how you're using it? Yes. So,
1: uh, for anyone who's used a lot of the sales platforms out there that exist, uh, you, quite a lot of them, you have to go in and tell it what you want to use based mm-hmm. on the attributes and the fields and the values that you've created. Yeah. How you want to spit out some sort of score and lead scoring and that kind of stuff which is prone to um, issues it requires a lot of testing it's quite fiddly and quite time consuming whereas for me the ebster score ultimately is a direct measure of engagement because uh, we've recently um, with help from wayne connected up our ebster platform at the back end straight into our g suite Mm -hmm. uh, which means less problem in terms of onboarding, because we're not having to uh, say to someone, follow these instructions, download Mm -hmm. this, add this. It's a little bit fiddly, I mean, it's fine, but it's much easier just to say, right, we've added you as a user on Ebster. Everything's being sucked out of the back end, being injected into Mm -hmm. Ebster. So that's that's a real bonus for us. Uh, And the score for me is just, it's very clear cut because, we have a measure of total engagement, which is the EBSTA score, which is inbound and outbound activity. And then you can then drill down into the last activity day, 7, 30, 60, and 90 days. Mm-hmm. So you can start to obviously profile whether engagement is going up or engagement is going down. So from our perspective, um, if it's at a lead level in Salesforce, you've got a very clear indication without having to go into chatter, look at tasks. If I just create a single report in Salesforce, and I run all of my active prospects, say, and I've got a sales team of 10 people, these are the ones that are actually being worked on. And these are the ones that are probably going to progress Mm -hmm. and start to generate revenue before these ones, because this one's got a greater than 70 on the Ebster score, Mm -hmm. which means the level of communication backwards and forwards is very high. Mm -hmm. Whereas these lower scored numbers or no scores means my salesperson's either just added it mm. and therefore there hasn't been enough time for the score to develop, or what they told me in our one to one is absolutely rubbish mm. and that deal's not really going anywhere because there's no engagement. So it's sort of a good way of mm. not checking up on people, but being able to monitor what's going on. Yeah.
0: And in, then in quite
1: an easy way, right?
0: Because you could get that data from other places or by talking to salespeople, but then it's not as reliable and it'll probably take you a lot longer than just yes. creating that one report.
1: Yes absolutely and then and then for me on the opportunity level so for us we you know we convert from lead into opportunity yeah. create account contact and Salesforce. uh it's a way of us measuring their progression through our process because they've gone through a process at the top of the funnel and they're moving into another process and because our sales cycle is quite long understanding their ability to progress from handover to go live because we only generate revenue once they've successfully funded, yeah. it means we want to know where they are in our process. Yeah. So, qu- quickly on that, once they've signed the contract,
0: do they go from sales to the success team? Yes. Cool. Okay.
1: Yes. And we actually, we've actually recently created a, a quite a clever scoring system. So we have a um, a prioritization score mm. and a uh, what we call a launch readiness score. So the prioritization score uses Ebster mm-hmm. and, our, and our guys at, at Distill are using that score
0: mm-hmm.
1: and essentially uh, mixing it together with a, a whole nother of uh, number of factors from third-party data, mm-hmm. uh, sectors that we know tend to perform slightly better than others, merging that together, mm-hmm. using engagement, and then pushing opportunities and saying these are the ones that we think should be on. a higher priority yeah. because they're moving ahead. And then we couple that with a uh, what we call a launch readiness score, which mm-hmm. is how much of our process have they completed. Yeah. So you might be super engaged, but you've actually not started the process. Yeah. Or you might be not very engaged, but you're busy working on doing things. The video is ready. And we can see stuff. And we can see yeah. progress. So they're not uniform together but they can be worked independently and then we merge that as a single score and then that helps us to move people through our pricing so so every week you can review all the all the what do you call that single score uh we the, well, the it's just score? called a, it's just
0: called a blended score in, in, and <laughs> call it the crowd keep score, well, crowd keep score. yeah <laughs> and then and so you can review that on a weekly meeting and then the bottom four
1: you'll 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 like prioritize and be like look we need to get these guys to like do X or? Yes, because if, they, if they're if an opportunity, they can gener- generate us revenue and yeah. if they're live, they definitely closer to generating us revenue. Yeah. Got it, nice. Okay, final question. Who has taught you the most about sales operations? Um, so I've done quite a lot of, because I was quite new to it and I know the role was quite mm-hmm. new, there isn't a huge amount of information about sales operations. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've done some reading um what like where have you read so there's a i might even have it here actually i, I might have written it down so there's a book on amazon which is like mm. if you want to go for the Bear Bear basics which is by, by a guy called ww chi okay uh i listened to that because it yeah. gives you a really solid foundation what's it's, it called it's well, called the basics yeah. of sales or uh, uh, basic basic the sales operations collective yeah we'll link to it below on the blog post um yeah and it's called ww chi mm. um there's another book that I've just started listening to called predictable prospecting, mm-hmm. which is obviously about building forecasting models and pipeline development and using data. I've then coupled that with, uh, so like I said to you, we're, we're in the process of bringing on a, an agency to work with and some, some coaching and mm-hmm. development and, and, uh, helping our sales guys to master their craft. And, uh, they, uh, have a, series of books uh and they are trying to make the people think about sales selling as a science uh, and that book's by a guy called Jaco van der Koy, who's a dutch guy mm. uh, and the reason for that is because selling has changed gone are the days where you're just um solution selling yeah you know it's, it's got to be a little much deeper the word of mouth referral super important mm. um as a, as a validation social validation and that kind of thing so it's kind of a connection that collection of traditional sales stuff with um new sales methodologies obviously because i'm from a marketing background I'm, I'm thinking and reading in the you know HubSpot Salesforce mm. blog world yeah um and and on those sort of ecosystems and forums and that kind of thing and i think that kind of then gives you a bit of a rounded sort of data analytics sales and then and then operations piece and i'm i'm also very lucky in that our uh you know have got a great head of partnerships who i sit next to uh who is a really good sounding board mm-hmm. we've also got a really good uh, ft who's also interested in big data and data right. analytics so he's very strong on the financial side and and we have a, a strong chief commercial officer mm-hmm. so the kind of the connection between all of mm-hmm. us means that we've all got our own skills that nice. then amalgamates together yeah. and and that's that's always super useful right nice.
0: Fantastic. Okay. That was a pretty, that was the longest episode of Sales Operations Demystified of all time. That was pretty deep. Um, Sorry about that. No, no, that was really good. <laughs> like there's some stuff that we definitely have not discussed before. Um, Johnny, thank you so much. What we'll do is we'll link to both Crowdcube and Johnny and also we'll link to the job description below. Um, if you, if you search for EFTA Sales Demystified, you'll be able to find this episode. then. I mean,